everyone. My name is Marielle, and I am the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers, craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi, everyone. When you think of women, what comes to mind? Is it how truly amazing women are? Is it how women are trailblazing in all aspects of their life? When you think of women, do you realize how many obstacles they had to overcome to be where they are today? With noting that there is always work to be done. Would you be curious to learn more about women's history in a city where it just happens to be the capital of the United States of America? I am so excited to have on Caitlin, founder of A Tour of Her Own, based in D.C., where she specializes in tours that talk about women's history where she offers both public and private tours, along with an exciting and exclusive membership. Welcome, Caitlin. Did I miss anything? You got it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I love to talk about your background, right? Other jobs you've had, where you went to school, your degree, languages, anything related to your background, a little bit more of who you are. My background is definitely a bit complex and dynamic. This was never a straight path to where I got today. But, you know, looking back, there was a lot of lessons learned and a lot of experiences that really just gave me perspective to do the work that I'm doing now with a tour of her own. I mostly have a background in coaching women's athletics. And I share that because there's a few pieces of that experience that I think I carry with me today. You know, being an athlete and just being involved in sports really teaches you discipline. It teaches you teamwork. And those are things that as an entrepreneur, I really have had to, you know, rely on. And then, you know, beyond that, just always sort of being in an environment where women are working toward a common goal was an early start to my feminism. I don't think I knew it back then, but this was, you know, me looking at the world through the lens of of a woman. And so that's, you know, primarily my work experience. I to be honest bounced around through a couple of different colleges and <laughs> I used to carry a little bit of shame with that, but now I'm pretty open with it because for me I began to understand that, you know, people learn differently and a classroom was not best for me. I didn't really start absorbing information until I had taken some time off from college and traveled the world. And I think if you're a traveler and you understand what that experience brings, you know, you get it. I had new eyes, fresh perspective, and it kind of sparked my curiosity for history, for tourism, for cities, for travel. And then I, you know, returned back after my travels and completed my bachelor's degree in history. So I do have a bachelor's degree in history. I consider myself a public historian now. I don't work in academia as tour guides. But, you know, all of this background really, like I said, just made me who I am today. Everything from sports to travel to working in restaurants as a server and learning about customer service. And so I'm just really grateful for this sort of non-traditional approach I've taken to get me to where I am today. Wow. That's an amazing story. And first of all, there is no shame in the direction you go in. I myself have gone through three different colleges too. And it is trial and error to a certain point, but it's also taking that gap, right? I know in Israel, I've done birthright. 
And a lot of times what they do is at 18, you go to the army for two years if you're a girl, three years if you're a boy. Then you take about six months to a year of a gap year to travel, and then you go back to school, right? It's a little bit of a different process when you think of America after college, or excuse me, after high school, you go to college, right? And then after college, you get a job. There is none of that gap or curiosity. And so I'm actually really glad that you did that, right? Maybe this inspires other people to pause, right? Take a look at your life, try something different, and have a different perspective. So I don't think any of that should be shameful. I think it should be honored and celebrated. So it's really exciting that you, all roads led to this, right? So in terms of creating your own business, specifically about women's history, what made you want to start that, right? That's Of course, tourism is big and women's history is becoming big. But what made you want to bridge those two things together? To be honest with you, I didn't intend to start a business at the beginning of this. It really just started as an idea. I was curious. I was observing many things happening right here in front of my eyes in Washington, D.C., on a national level, current events on a global level. And it just, you know, it stemmed from this very organic place. When I was becoming a tour guide in D.C., you know, the career at large is very sort of flexible and fluid. Like we are all independent contractors for the most part. We freelance. There's not a lot of structure to the, the career, which is, and many times you're vulnerable, but also gives you a lot of opportunity to build a career that you want, right? That fits you and your personality. And so as I started in the industry as a tour guide, I just was questioning that. Like, what is my role here? Like, what do I bring to this industry that is unique? And going to my background, like, yes, I have this experience with, you know, women's sports, with feeling like empowered with coaching. And I always wanted to work more in a group environment than solo. And so that's how it started out. You know, one of the first things I did was just sit down with colleagues and talk to them about this and really ask questions. And, you know, I was still a bit new to the game. I had a couple of years under my belt, but I was like, am I missing something? Are, is there anyone doing women's history tours? Has this been overlooked? Like what's going on? And a lot of my colleagues gave me really good feedback and suggestions. A lot of them hopped on board with me and just said, this is great. Like just go for it. And whatever you need, you know, I'll be there for you. And many of those people are still on my team with me today. And, you know, one step in front of the other. And then next thing I knew, it just, it kept making sense to make it a little more formal, a little more formal. And so I had a business, you know, in front of me, which, you know, if when it feels natural, like it just happened out of passion, then it, I think it's easier to, to run it rather than, you know, just wanting to start a business and maybe forcing it. And so I rarely put like very specific visions on the business. I let it unfold as it will because that's just how it's meant to be, you know. That's a beautiful message and thank you for sharing all that because I think this could help other tour guides in their thought process, right? Or anybody actually looking to become a tour guide. It's asking those questions to yourself of what you really want, but also asking for help, right? And asking for colleagues or friends or family or anybody you feel secure and close to to maybe recommend or ask or suggest or have opinions because then it helps you shape what you should do, right? To a certain level. Of course, at the end of the day, you make the decisions, right? But it's nice to have that help. And the fact that it's unfolded beautifully for you, congratulations. I think that's amazing. You found your niche in a major city, which I know can be really difficult. 
but I really want to actually get into your tours, right? A tour of her own. So tell me, I know you offer public and private, but what are the biggest differences in the two and what are you offering in each one? Yeah, we do offer various programs and I'll get as specific as I can with them. You know, when I started a tour of her own, I felt like there had to be more voices than my own, right? Because everyone's experience is different. And, you know, I have a certain style to me that some people might not relate with. Maybe they will respond better to another tour guide. You know, my experience is only mine in the world. I show up in a certain way and I didn't want to represent women's history only through my lens. So we have a whole team that can offer their own expertise. And so, you know, it varies. We have tours now from people that might be particularly interested in activism and government you know, I have tour guides that lead those tours and we have certain clientele that show up for them. We have, for instance, a veteran that runs our military tours. So from that perspective, we're delivering information to you that we're passionate about and we uniquely relate to. And then on the flip end of that too, our guests can really pick and choose their own experience. So it's not just the, you know, one tour that we offer in the same neighborhood. We offer at least one live tour every month. And they're almost always different. We'll repeat some of the the popular ones, but people can look at our schedule and say, yeah, I want to do this one. And maybe I'll do three or four throughout the year. Some people show up every month. And so that's sort of the public side of our tours. And then on the private side, you know, we also want to be sensitive to what do people want? What do you want to learn about? Is there a certain neighborhood or certain topic? You know, what is your group's background? And so we'll customize tours for them. We can do it walking. We go on and off motor coach buses. A lot of the time too, which I think is one of my favorite aspects about the work that we do is we're not just delivering history tours. We are, you know, advocates and interpreters of Washington, D.C. And so sometimes we'll do like a four hour tour and somewhere in the middle, we'll stop at a woman owned tea shop and just sit, support the local business. We'll have a conversation, we'll reflect. And so you're not just listening to a tour and seeing monuments. You're really immersing yourself in the culture of the city. And that's always been a priority is to support other women doing the work. That's wonderful. I love to hear that. I think those are such great messages. And so when it comes to private tours, it sounds like they're about four hours, but your public tours, right? Are you doing public tours, of course, in person? Are you doing them virtually too? And are they about the same amount of time for each one? Yeah. So our public walking tours are roughly two hours. And that's pretty standard. The private tours could go four hours. It could be a whole day. Sometimes we hop on a bus for like eight hours and we do lunch and the whole thing. It's really, you know, flexible. As far as the virtual space, this is something that we pivoted into during COVID. And we do now offer virtual tours and also virtual salons. So salon is, it is historically something women have been involved in. But it's more of like an intimate conversation. So on a tour, you have like one person leading the way and sharing, you know, commentary. In our salons, we really encourage conversation. And sometimes it'll be a panel. Sometimes we'll ask the audience for some input. It's a different setup. Part of the reason we got into the virtual space, obviously COVID, right? But, you know, we have a lot of great content and we wanted it to be recorded. We wanted it to be available not only to people in DC, but as a tour of her own 
grows, we've reached other people, not only in the United States, but truthfully across the world who are interested in women's history in Washington, D.C. So the virtual tours have really allowed us to reach out and broaden our audience, but also give people access to this information, right? It's, it is an accessibility you know, concern at one point if you can't walk around the city, you know what I mean? Sure. I think those are all really valid points and thank you for sharing that. And it also gives clarity based on public and private tours, but also your virtual tours as well. And also conversation, right? I think that's very important. I want to segue into this part. When you talk about women's history, right, and you take people all around DC talking about it, what type of perspective do you talk about when it comes to women's history? Are you talking about diversity? As, you know, I'm thinking Indian people, Asian people, Black people, white people, you know, Latina people. Do you talk about their history as women? Do you do it more generalized? Just to give the listeners an idea of what they can expect when going on a tour with a tour of her own. Yeah, I mean, in short, the quick answer to that is absolutely. We're diversifying our stories. To give a longer answer... You know, women's history is American history. We don't often just say it's her story. We say her stories, right? Because no woman's experience, it's not a monolith. No woman's experience is the same. We have similarities in our experiences, but they're different based on many socioeconomic factors, right? A lot of the commentary that we deliver in DC truthfully comes from some of the most well-respected institutions because we have access here to the Library of Congress. We have access here to the Smithsonian and the United States Capitol Historical Society and the Military Women's Memorial at the gate of Arlington National Cemetery. So we, to a degree, are echoing the messages that are coming from these really well-respected, well-researched organizations that are trustworthy. And so with that too, you know, of course, each of us as tour guides have a voice, there's a level of interpretation. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're diversifying our stories. Women's history, we often say is, you know, Black history, is queer history. And a lot of our tours really do intersect at those points because women historically have advocated for all of those movements. So it just makes sense. Sure. I'm really glad you said that because a lot of times people may not know that, right? But it's also bringing awareness to the conversation when it's exactly what you're doing, which I love. I do want to also acknowledge a tour of our own is not by women and for women. We are inclusive even with our audience. So I express that because we also have like men that lead our tours as tour guides. And we're also very welcoming of men, non-binary people, however people identify to come on our tours. Like we want everybody to feel like this is their history and not just empower women. And I I really want to express that because sometimes people make that assumption, but we, even our, our audience and people that are interested in this work are quite diverse as well. I appreciate you saying that. And I think that's really important to note because Right. In order for women to succeed, I also want men to understand the conversation and to listen and learn, right, how they can be better too. And right to your point, non-binary, the gay community, anybody, right, coming on and understanding women to go on one of your tours. I actually think that's even better, right? It's not just women supporting women. It's everybody supporting women, right? That's a beautiful conversation. And so I'm, I'm really appreciative that you said that and you voiced talking about your audience in that way. I think that's a great 
thing to mention and for listeners to know, right? So really anybody can go on your tour in hindsight and really learn something because it sounds like your tours can learn so much, which I really want to segue into women's history in D.C. specifically. Are there any places in D.C. that you can go and kind of dive into learning about women's history, whether it is going to the library and reading books in D.C., whether it's going to a particular museum? Like, where can people really, like, learn and divulge a little bit more about women's history, say, if they were on their own? Yeah, definitely. Women's history shows up in multiple ways in D.C. I would argue some of it is interpretive. You really have to sort of take a look at the big picture and put a bit of a twist on it. Sometimes it's, you know, a plaque or a street name, right? That it's there, but again, you need a tour guide to like help you understand how it got there and what the story is behind it. There are fortunately a few places that just really are committed to women's stories and you could show up there on your own and take advantage of it. I would say, and I should also note, we talked about DC, We it's the DMV area. So it also includes a little bit of Maryland and Virginia. At the gate of Arlington National Cemetery is the Military Women's Memorial. And this is exactly as it sounds, honoring women who have served in the military in our country. Everyone from, you know, Civil War nurses to women that have served and sacrificed in the most recent wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So that is a place when you walk in, there is like feminist history everywhere. A few other places, and they do tend to be sort of in the museum side of tourism. We have the Women in the Arts Museum, which is the first museum in the whole world dedicated to solely highlighting female artists. It's fantastic. It's actually under renovation right now in 2022, but when it comes back, it'll be even better. And I encourage people to check that out. And we also have the Belmont Paul Women's Equality National Monument. It's a historic house and it was headquarters for the National Women's Party. So there's a lot of history there about suffragists. Alice Paul, who is one of the leaders, you can go and see original banners, which is terrific. They also unfortunately have been closed due to COVID and some other events that have happened in DC, but we're hoping that they reopen uh, soon. And one more thing I'll just add from like an interpretive side, you know, two of the most powerful sites in Washington, DC are of course the White House where the president lives and then Pennsylvania Avenue, which is like America's main street. It's where you see a lot of protests and marches happening, you know, on TV and whatnot. And people don't often realize this, but Women were the first group of activists to ever march or protest at both of those places. In 1913, they were the first to ever march down Pennsylvania Avenue fighting for the right to vote. And then in 1917, they were the first to picket at the White House. And you won't see that necessarily when you go there, but they are so much in the foundation of our buildings and our stories. Wow. I actually didn't know that. So I love that I learned something new and I'm sure listeners listening to this have learned something new as well. That's very interesting to know that. And right to your point, if you were to go there and visit, of course, you're not going to see people protesting, right? Maybe not the time you're going, hopefully, but it's good to interpret that you're walking on streets that people protested over a hundred years ago, right? And it was women who started that. So I personally love that. I think that's just fantastic. And I want to go into women-owned businesses as well, because I think those are always great to highlight, right? If we're talking about women's history, 
Can you name me three to five? And it can be anything, restaurants, little shops, anything to talk about women that maybe you go into their stores, right? You mentioned the women's tea place earlier, but would love to hear a few of those in DC that you love and maybe you go to and take your tourists on. Yeah, certainly. I'll go back to the tea place because they've been wonderful partners. It's called Teaism. They have several locations in downtown DC and they're just spectacular. Honestly, our partnership with them started at an early point because we wanted to host a book talk and they opened their cafe and just basically said, here's some seats, you know, here's an hour, you know, enjoy. And they've been just wonderful. I love their story because it's very matriarchal in that it was founded by two women, two friends. And then over the years, uh, one of their daughters has actually now gotten into the management of it as well. So it's intergenerational. And I think when we talk about women's history, we often see that what, you know, a mother had done, she passes it on to her daughter. And I think that that's really beautiful. So that's teaism. I will go over and I'd love to talk to you about a restaurant called a bow tie that serves Thai food. And Yum. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the owner is a woman named Ashura, and she is just wonderful. She co-owns it with uh, two men who are super supportive as well. But Ashura's story is wonderful because it's at the intersection of women and also immigration. When you walk into the restaurant, the first thing that you see are these beautiful, larger-than-life family pictures. And they're of her family in Thailand. There's even one picture of Ashura leaving the airport in Thailand and coming to the United States. On her menu, her favorite curry is named for her mother, Udam's curry, which again, we see a lot of intergenerational honoring and respecting of our ancestors and relatives. And they've just been extremely hospitable to us. And, you know, you walk in and you feel the love and the food is delicious. And it's just a really, you know, great place to step into. It's always fun. As soon as we tell people we're going to eat or drink on tour, they're like 10 times more committed to. Yes, I am one of those. I love food. I love to eat food, right? I love to experience it because to me, food is an experience that you share with other people. So I love that you can incorporate that and have the ability to as part of your tours. Oh yeah, I would quite agree. It's, it's such a cultural experience to dine with other people. So another place I'd like to shout out is called Puddin. P-U-D-D-I-N apostrophe. <laughs> like the name. Like the name. And it's run by a woman named Toyin Ali, who also has her mother involved in the business. They work on recipes together. And let me tell you, like they have the best brown butter bourbon bread pudding. Wait, brown butter bread pudding. Bourbon bread pudding. Brown butter bourbon bread pudding. Yeah. Not a tongue twister. Okay. <laughs> it like, doesn't even matter if you can't say it because as soon as you see it, you're just like, get in my mouth. It's so good. <laughs> Yum. Yeah, it's delicious. And that's just her dessert, but she does sort of like Narlin style soul food. So you can get etouffee and jambalaya and gumbo. And the, the way that she has built her recipes is to honor her ancestors of African-American descent. So there are a lot of traditional sort of ingredients that African-Americans in the South would have used or Native and Indigenous people. And it sort of pulls like French influence out of it a little bit, which is what a lot of people are, are into. So it's super organic and it honors 
her ancestors. Like she's a bit of a historian in that sense in that she reads a lot of books and just tries to tie history to the food. So that's Puddin and that's at Union Market, which is a, a great food hall in D.C. Yummy. That sounds so good. I mean, I could talk about food all day too, but I do have some other questions to ask you. Another question I have is I want to talk about your memberships for a second because of course you do tours, right? You do public tours and private tours and also virtual tours. But I looked at your website, which is a great website. Everybody should check it out. But I wanted to talk about your memberships, right? It seems like I believe you offer a few. So correct me if I'm wrong, but in your memberships, what are you including in them and what is the value for somebody to join one of your membership programs? Thank you for asking that. I will approach this from a couple different angles here. Yeah, we have an annual membership and there's right now three packages that folks can choose from. So we have like a basic package, which is the lowest cost. We have a virtual package if you want to particularly, you know, partake in what we're doing sort of digitally. And then we have a trailblazer package, which is like, you're just a VIP at that point. We're, we're going to lay out the red carpet for you. It means a couple things to be very direct and logistical with you. As a member, you get discounts and or free access to what we call the lineup, which is our monthly schedule and has approximately four events every month. So we try to do two live events and two virtual events. Members can partake in all of them, none of them. It's, you know, totally up to them. I think the virtual membership, which is sort of in the middle, is really appealing for people who are not in Washington, D.C., but want to maybe feel like they can travel here a little bit or, you know, pop on their computer and talk about history or learn something with other people in a Zoom room. So our tours, like virtual tours, are not really like going through the city holding a camera, but we're presenting information about, you know, D.C.'s landscape and all of that. To be honest with you, a lot of our members are just super committed. They love the work that we're doing. And, you know, maybe they only come on two tours a year, but they want to support us financially. They want to, you know, put their name on this kind of work because they believe in it. And so it's practical in that, you know, you get access and benefits and you can dive in, but it's also sort of meaningful in that, hey, if you are listening to this podcast and you want to like, you know, help support the work we're doing, you become a member and, and join our community in that sense. Thank you for sharing that. And I like the clarification as well on virtual tours because a lot of times there are tour guides out there, whether it's a YouTube channel or they're doing a live virtual tour through, I think, TikTok or Instagram, walking around with a camera and saying, okay, this is this building and this is that building and this is the history of this. But the fact that you do your tours in a different light, I think really helps people to also talk to you, right? And you don't feel like you're huffing and puffing and walking while also talking and going into all that. So I appreciate the clarification on that. And the work that you are doing, I think is really amazing because women want to know this stuff, right? And I think to your point, men do too. And of course, anybody else, non-binary, gay community, really anyone and everyone. But it's talking about that information in a way that makes sense and that people are going to be engaged and want to learn more from. So I love that you're doing that. Another question I have for you, again, I'm kind of circling back a little bit, but what is your definition of women's history, right? I think a lot of people can put context into it in a different light, whether you want to talk about women's history from thousands of years, hundreds of years, specifically in DC, of course, but a little bit of a general scope. What is your true definition of women's history? That's a terrific question, maybe a bit 
challenging even. I'm very hesitant to define anything, to be honest with you. I have a platform and a voice and I take it very seriously. And I, when you define something, you kind of take the risk of excluding people. And so I'm, I'm always like nervous about that. The same thing is true with the word feminism. I get asked this a lot. Like, what does that mean? Like, who's a feminist? You know, at the end of the day, like I said, women's history is American history. So, you know, we can look back and when you look back at history, it often does offer answers and clarity, but it many times just poses more questions. And so I know I'm dancing around this this a little bit, but if someone is self-identifying as a woman in the 1920s and they're, you know, out there working for a cause and we read that in documents and that's something that's relevant, we'll share that history. Looking at, you know, policies and laws or anything that, you know, has the word woman or female and things like that, it all needs to be a bit of under, under a microscope, you know, even to be honest with you, like when we talk about the suffrage movement and the 19th Amendment, we often say, yeah, this is women's history. But like it could be argued that it's not all women's history because American Indians and many black women in the country didn't get the vote until years after sort of wealthy white women. Right. So there is nuance to it. And, and that's why I'm so hesitant to define it. But I'll tell you what women's history like is the opposite of, you know, when I talk about patriarchal history, it's very war oriented. It's very generals and hard power and leadership and kind of aggressiveness and assertiveness. And so I think women's history tends to be softer. It tends to focus more on the humanities, on caregivers, on what we call sort of pink collar jobs, like nurses and teachers, mothers, right? And I think we still have a long way to go about how to present women's history. But I, I certainly, I just think it's hard to define. I appreciate that. And I actually, I'm really glad you said that. And you made me really think about that in a different way. I have to be honest, when you think about patriarchal history, right? It is a lot about war and it's power and it's money and it's it's fighting, right? You're fighting for something. You think of World War One, World War Two, you know, as more recent history and, you know, going to Vietnam and, you know, Pearl Harbor. And again, it's thinking of all of these things. It seems to be more patriarchal. But when it comes to women's history, it seems to be just, you know, fighting for our, our right to vote, right? Fighting for our right to work, fighting for our right for simple things that shouldn't be so hard. But I love how you've worded that in more softer terms because women are often perceived as that, right? If we are too aggressive or too much, it puts a bag stigmatism on us, right? But a man, if he's powerful, right, it's great, you know? And I think we do have a long way to go. And so two other questions I have for you, the first one being the future of women, right? I'm going to say women specifically because you talk about women's history, but where do you see the future for women, right? In all facets of life to a certain point, right? In terms of work, in terms of being a mom, in terms of a feminism, being your own person, whatever that means, what type of future do you see happening or could potentially happen? I think a lot of it honestly comes down to representation. I think that's at the heart of the work that we do with a tour of our own. Representation, visibility, right? Like you have to be able to see women. You have to see them 
you know, actually literally and metaphorically, like you have to see them at the, in the boardroom at the table. You have to see women running for office as candidates. You have to see women showing up in military uniform, ready to serve the country. We have to have this representation of, you know, women athletes going out there and performing with their bodies, with their, you know, intelligence, you know, and just having this this visibility of what women can do. There's an element of trust that comes with it. There's an element of relatability. You know, the word that I use to describe women's history is marginalized. It's always just sort of in the margins. It's off to the side. It's a footnote. It's like, oh, and by the way, this is what women were doing. And I think the future is about centering that and saying, this is what women are doing. This is, you know, how women lead. This is, here's a woman by name also, right? Not just a a female statue that is named Liberty or Justice and looks like a woman, but like an actual woman who like, you know, is served or is, you know like real. So that's what it comes down to. And not just in tourism, but like I said, in government, on TV, in media, in movies, honestly, just women like running podcasts is so cool for me because, you know, we we're all finding our voice and we're putting it out there. And I think that's a huge step in the right direction to getting the things that we ultimately fight for, like equal pay, like maternal health care, like all of those things. Yes, we have to fight for them, but I think we have to see them first. We have to know that women's stories are our stories and that by benefiting women, the whole world will be benefited, you know? And mic drop. No, I'm just kidding, but that was beautiful. That was <laughs> that was a great message. And everything you said is just so true. I know they're putting things out there, right? I was reading something a while ago, how in the state of California, there has to be at least one female in every single company on every board, right? So I think there are being changes made, right? I think things are happening. Maybe it's slower than we'd like, but slowly but surely, I think to your point, it will happen Maybe it just takes a little slower, right? But I do feel the change and I feel the energy course correcting toward women being the center, toward representation of women. Even myself, right? I'm hosting this podcast, interviewing you and sharing your story and putting it out there. And if we get more people to listen and to not be afraid and to do things that scare them a little bit, but that excite them at the same time, there's some real power in that. So Everything you said was brilliant. It was amazing. And the last question I have, it's the question I love to end on every single episode, kind of circling back to your tours here. How do you want people to feel when they experience going on your tour, right? You have so much knowledge and history and credibility to your name. I'd love to know how you want people to walk away feeling after they do any tours with any of your tour guides. I want people to walk away feeling transformed and like this was a personal experience for them. I don't expect anyone to walk away with the same exact feeling or takeaways, but I do expect everyone to just sort of reflect on what it is they heard and felt and learned that day. I think that history needs to be approachable and I realize that as tour guides, as historians, as an author, like our work tends to be a bit intimidating. History, as we're taught in schools, is dates and names and like 
who cares, <laughs> right? Like that stuff's important, but like at the end of the day, remembering a date in 1848 is like not going to really change your life much. For me, the way that we try and tell stories and share history with a tour of our own is a way that you can question what your own engagement in the world is. How do you belong and what can you do to help document women's history? And that doesn't have to be like you go home and you write a post about all of the things that about the Equal Rights Amendment. Like that's okay. You don't have to do that. But everybody can leave a tour, go home and take a video of their grandmother and say, grandma, tell me your story. Let's record it so that generations beyond us can hear you speak and see you and know where we all came from. You can go home as a mother and share your story with your daughter or with your son, right? Because we want to share the female experience with everyone and History is right now. It's unfolding right in front of our eyes. And so I would just encourage people to leave our tours and become engaged with your own communities and just, you know, really, again, representing yourself and women and feminists any which way you can. Wow. All great messages. And I love that you said that because a lot of times I used to love listening to my grandmother and grandfather talk, right, about their history and what they've gone through. And I wish I would have documented this in terms of having a podcast, right? Even my old neighbor, she's this old Italian woman who has been through so much in her life. But to hear those stories and what she's gone through feels like light years away of where we are today. But, right, it's learning from history and other people. And so, that's really such a beautiful message. And I don't like to wrap these up, but Caitlin, you've been amazing. You are so knowledgeable in what you're doing with a tour of her own. You're bringing a light to women's history in a way that really needs to be heard and seen by so many others. So continue to do the successful work that you're doing. I'd love for you to shamelessly plug away your social media, your website, and most importantly, how can people book a tour with you, but also if they want to do your membership, book a membership with you. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for helping us to elevate women's stories. You know, I don't do this alone. There's a whole team of people. There's advocates like you. So it really means a lot. Thank you to everyone who's listening as well to just yeah plug a little bit. Just go check out our website. The information is on there. I would encourage you to join our membership, but just go and sign up for our email list. There'll be a little contact box there and you can just stay engaged with what kind of programs we're offering and, you know, just explore and, and see what's out there. We we are super active on social media, mostly Instagram. We also have a private Facebook group called Women's Tourism DC, and that's quite active. So everyone is welcome to follow us and join us. I'll also note that during the pandemic, when tourism was, you know, struggling all around the world, myself and my colleague, Rebecca Grawl, we pivoted to write a city guidebook. It's called 111 Places in Women's History That You Must Not Miss. It primarily focuses on Washington, D.C., but I can assure you it's more of a storybook than a guidebook. So you can read it wherever you are in the world and still, I think, be inspired. So I would say check that out. And mostly to just pull the focus off of me and my work because 
this is a podcast and I'm not, you know, like sitting at a table with all of you. Go support your own tour guides. When you travel, hire a private tour guide. When you are in your own city, shop local, shop small, support women, and you have power with your spending to really make a change in the world. So with that, just thank you again. And I hope to see you all soon. Let me know if you listen to this podcast, if we ever talk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much again. And yes, powerful messages. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's just so nice to hear it. And I just, I love it, right? I love all of this. So I'm going to say all the above. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast. Click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week, where you'll find out more about how they got started, talking in detail about their experience, and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share. Do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about, whether it is a tour, excursion, adventure, or experience? Fill out our form online on our website at www.travelexperiencesreimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer.